stands in the fog, seeing nothing. It's the feeling of isolation, of numbness. That's why he's here. He wants that feeling. The world seems to be closing in on him, suffocating him. Let it come, he thinks. All the things that came before, the medals, the adoring crowds at Vicarage Road, let them go. They seem worthless now. Let the fog close in and swallow everything. Hornet Heaven Fog Written by Ollie Wicken, read by Colin Mace Earth Season 2023-24 On Saturday the 16th of December 2023, in the eternal sunshine of Hornet Heaven, two old friends bump into each other just outside the Troy Deeney atrium. Sid Simmons is going in and Maurice Hegarty is coming out. Hello, Maurice. Off to a game. Which one? You know me, Sid. Nothing this side of the millennium. Sid and Morris first went to a match together in 1936 down on Earth. In 2013, they met again in Hornet Heaven. Later, Sid loved watching Watford in the Premier League, but it wasn't Morris's cup of tea. They haven't seen a match together since. Sid says, Come to a game with me. I'm off to this afternoon's, at Preston later on. Thanks, but no thanks, Sid. Modern football ain't for me. The game ain't the same as it was. Well, I'll definitely agree with you there. Do you? Football's much better these days. The two friends smile at each other, trying to accept their differences, but it isn't easy. Seriously, Maurice, I just think you're... I don't know, how can I put it? If you don't come to watch the current team, it's like you're deliberately blinding yourself to so much that's good. Valerie and Ishmael has turned us into an honest, hard-working team. You'd like us. No, thanks, Sid. I like the simplicity of the bygone years. And I'm not the only one who can't stand all the current hype and hoopla. A lot of people down on Earth have been going to watch non-league football recently. Wearing air shirts instead of replica shirts. I've been doing the same myself. I'm going to all Watford's away games at non-league grounds over the years, in alphabetical order. Morris waves the programme he's holding. I'm on double, yeah. Waltham Stowe Avenue. I've just been to our FA Cup tie there in 1930. Now I'm off to the one in 1952. The avenue was decent. They'd won the FA Amateur Cup the previous season. Sid shakes his head. He can't understand why anyone would be interested in a 1952 amateur side instead of a 2023 championship side that's showing playoff form. He tries again. Come to today's Preston game with me, Morris. It'll be a much better watch. I really like Walthamstow's ground, Sid. Green Pond Road. Tidy it was. It had covered standing on two sides, plus a grandstand that was just like our old main stand at the Vic. A proper football ground. Not like modern stadia these days. Sid sighs. What's going on in his old friend's head? Everything about football in 2023 is streets ahead of the old days. Why can't Morris see it? It's as clear as day. 
I'll catch you later, Morris. See you, Sid. Walthamstow, here I come. As soon as he passes through the ancient turnstile, Morris feels the chill of Saturday the 6th of December 1952 at Green Pond Road in Walthamstow. He pulls up the collar on his jacket. Then on the other side of the turnstile he halts. He can't see anything. He's in a half light, but there's an odd tinge to it, a kind of yellowish grey. He steps onto the open terrace beyond. The place feels ghostly. He wonders if the turnstile has transported him to some other spectral realm. Then, ahead of him, as he moves cautiously forwards, he starts to see the murky outlines of people wearing coats and hats. And he understands. It's the weather at the game. He's in a thick fog. It has draped itself over the crowd. It's cloaking the playing area and shrouding the stands. It's what Londoners used to call a pea super. Morris remembers now. Fog was a real problem in London after the Second World War. The 6th of December 1952 brought the worst of it. A high-pressure anti-cyclone trapped cold air at ground level and the emissions from London's factories and domestic coal fires couldn't escape. The result was a thick, acrid smog. And amazingly, Walthamstow Avenue and Watford tried to play football in it. Morris makes his way to the front of the terrace. He's thrilled. Carrying on in a pea super. Ha! <laughs> Today's pampered players wouldn't stand for it. The TV companies wouldn't stand for it neither. In goal in front of him, he can just about see Watford's keeper, Big Dave Underwood, but he can't tell if there are any other players on the pitch. <laughs> can't see. Who cares? Just get on with it. That's the attitude you need. The goalkeeper is crouching a few yards out from his goal, peering forwards, arms wide, ready to pounce if he sees the ball emerging from the dense curtain of fog. You don't need perfect conditions for football. Soon, a whistle blows, and presumably the match starts, but Morris can't be sure. He says to himself, this is how football should be. For a few moments, energised by the two teams' commitment to getting the game played, he stares into the amorphous haze beyond the goal area. Then, unable to contain his excitement, he turns and heads back towards the ancient turnstile. I'm going to bring Sid and show him. Morris goes back to the atrium. He finds Sid on one of the yellow leather sofas and tells his old friend about the fog-bound cup tie. Come and see, Sid. It's old-school football at its best. You'd love it. But how much of the game can you actually see? Hardly anything. Well, I suppose that would make 1950s football more palatable. So you'll come along? Of course not. Don't be daft. Sid is hanging around in the atrium so that he's there when the programme for today's game at Preston comes in. He can't really see the appeal of going to Walthamstow and breathing in soot particulates and poisonous sulphur dioxide. He says, You know, sometimes, Morris... I think you've completely lost your bearings. Why would you want to go to a game where you can't see what's happening? Because it's football in its purest form, Sid. What? Football's popular because it's a game anyone can play anywhere. Don't you remember when you were a kid, Sid, playing football in your garden? You kept going till you couldn't see a thing. That's what happens with Walthamstow and Watford. 
But me in my garden wasn't a professional spectator sport, Morris. And that's what's pure about the Walthamstow game. They didn't put the fans first or telly first or anything like that. They put the game first. Sid shakes his head. Sorry, Morris. I'm not buying what you're selling. Morris shrugs. Oh, well, I'll just go back there on my own. I tell you, Sid, you don't know what you're missing. If any football gets played in that fog, Morris, you can miss it for me. Sid watches Morris leave the atrium. He's starting to worry that his old friend just wants to cocoon himself in old-style football. Then he hears the man next to him on the sofa say, Sorry, said Mum, but I couldn't help overhearing your conversation. It's George Catlow, who played for Watford for 11 seasons until the mid-1960s. Oh, hello, George. I was just going to say, Morris will probably bump into another Palamain at that Walthamstall game. Is there someone else who gets excited about going to football and not being able to see the football? No, this is one of me old teammates, Frank Mitchell. Best captain I played under. I remember Frank Mitchell. Great player. He's gone to the Walthamstow match on his annual retreat. He's what? He told me before he went. He likes to disappear for a while. And the fog's good for that, he said. But why does he need an annual retreat? All I know is what he said. Once a year, he likes a bit of quiet contemplation. Is he a deep thinker, then? <laughs> I thought he was Australian. Frank Mitchell was a proper, intelligent player and a natural leader. That's true. I remember watching him and Jimmy Bowie in the midfield together. Chalk and cheese, but a great pairing. Aye, Frank was just class, while Jimmy was full of tricks. On the pitch and off, daft as a brush, Jimmy was, like a 1950s gazer. True Watford legends, those two. They were close mates at the time, and they still are. Two of the best players we've ever had. Wait a minute, George. I hope you're not saying they were better than today's players, because that's not true. Don't let nostalgia cloud your judgement. I mean, they were good for their time. I'm clear about that. The midfield we've got now, Livermore, KMB and Kone, well, they're different gravy compared to my day. I agree, but I wish you'd tell my pal Morris that. His judgement isn't just clouded. It's all fogged up. Morris arrives at Green Pond Road on December the 6th, 1952, where the smog is like a blanket thrown over the stadium. It's creeping into every space, erasing and blurring. He thinks to himself, She doesn't get it. Football was better in 1952, simpler. You didn't even need floodlights. You just brought the kickoff forward to 2.15 in the winter, no messing around. This time he makes his way down the covered terrace that runs along the side of the pitch. He stands level with the halfway line. Even from here, looking in two directions, not much is visible. Players are appearing and disappearing through the curtain of fog like they're in a 1950s Whitehall farce. Morris says to the man next to him, They're just getting on with it. Look, mate, I, er, uh, I don't want to, I'm not really... Morris notices the Australian accent. He turns to the man and recognises him. Frank Mitchell? Morris remembers watching Frank Mitchell run Watford's midfield for more than 200 games between the years of 1952 and 1957, leading the team with a mix of combativeness and elegance. Frank has been in Hornet Heaven since 1984. What are you doing here, Frank? I'm... I'm on my... on my annual retreat. 
Morris chuckles and coughs as the pea super catches in his throat. Now, I've heard everything. What's that about, then? It's when I... When I, uh... Ah, oh, Struth, why am I lying? Lying? I'll... I'll level with you, mate. The fog suits how I feel. Morris notices Frank's shoulders are slumped. It doesn't look right. Morris can't connect the body language with his memories of Frank Mitchell boldly winning back the ball for Watford and rolling it to Jimmy Bowie at inside forward or Freddie Bunce on the wing. How often are you here, then? No point in pretending. I get like this at this time of year. Every year. What's wrong? You get the winter blues? No, it's something else. The early rounds of the FA Cup always get to me. Eh? Why? You don't remember? Remember what? In the 1950s, mate, we lost to non-league opponents three times in four years. I do remember that. So? Only one Watford player played in all of those cup ties. Me, mate. I'm shamed by it. Morris frowns. Before today, he didn't realise he was a player who was the common factor in those defeats. And the fact that it was Frank Mitchell just doesn't fit with the way he remembers the man. But you played in the top division with Chelsea, Frank. You played international football. You're a club legend. The fact is, mate, I've got the worst record in club history for being on the wrong end of FA Cup giant killings. Morris doesn't like hearing Frank Mitchell sounding so defeated. For a few moments, he stares at the pitch, occasionally seeing Walthamstow and Watford players emerge from the gloom and disappear again. The Australian sounds as if he's trapped in his own fog of depression. After a while, Morris says, This ain't right, Frank. This needs fixing. Morris takes Frank's arm and leads him towards the concrete wall at the front of the terrace. You're a Watford great, and you've lost sight of how good you were. I'm going to show you. We're going on the pitch. In the atrium, George Catlow says to Sid, Speak of the devil, Sid. Here comes Jimmy Bowie. Och, mon, call the fire brigade. My ears are burning. <laughs> Sid, and everyone else in Hornet Heaven, is fully aware that Jimmy Bowie is a character. The stories about the Scotsman's antics as a Watford player are legendary. There was the time he rode a motorbike around the Greyhound track at Vicarage Road a couple of hours before kick-off, trying to beat the lap record. There was a time he gave up on a cross-country training run and hitched a ride on a milk float. There was the time he asked the trainer, Pat Malloy, to go easy on him because he'd sunk 24 brown ales the night before. Sid says, Hello, Jimmy. I'm Sid. George and I were just talking about you and your best mate, Frank Mitchell. How's it going, Sid? <laughs> My pal Frank Mitchell, eh? Did you know he's the most giant-killed player in the club's history? <laughs> Each time the FA Cup starts up again, I'll make sure he doesn't forget. That's harsh. He was a great player. <laughs> That's why it's my job to take the piss out of him. <laughs> it's time I gave him another dig about losing to non-league teams three times in four years. Have you seen him? Apparently he's on his annual retreat. <laughs> the soft laddie's run away again. <laughs> anyway, I'll see you later. I'm about to put a whoopee cushion under Henry Grover. Sid watches Jimmy go. He says to George Catlow, Maybe Frank Mitchell is taking time off from Jimmy Bowie. I can see why he might. Jimmy's a Mars bar. Too much for every day. Sid adds, And I'm sure he means well, 
but what he calls taking the pish sounds a bit like bullying to me. In the centre circle at Green Pond Road, almost imperceptibly slowly, the fog wafts around Frank and Morris. It seeps. It shifts. It creeps. It seems to have swallowed the stadium hole. Nothing, no one, is visible. Play must be down one or other end of the pitch, Frank assumes. Or is it half time? How could you tell? He hears Morris say, When you come into view, we'll follow you around the pitch. You'll see close up what a great player you were. Frank doesn't want to be doing this. He's not in the mood. This time of year, a feeling always descends on him. It engulfs all his thoughts and emotions until they're gone. It obscures any glimpse of light or hope. Morris says, Look, there you are. Come on, let's follow you. No, I... There's no point, mate. We'll only lose me in the fog again. Nah, we'll keep up with you easy. You were one of them midfield strollers. You read the game so well, you never needed to break into a sprint. They follow the 30-year-old version of Frank Mitchell through the murk. Frank knows perfectly well that other people thought he was a great player. He was a regular choice for Chelsea at the highest level of English football. Watford doubled their record transfer fee to buy him. But he doesn't rate himself. Look at the state of me, mate. How do you mean? You look great. Look at me, with my elbows tucked in and my hands flopped in front of me hips. What's wrong with that? Oh, mate. Clutching my handbag, Jimmy Bowie calls it. Don't listen to him. He'll say anything to wind people up. He says I was slower than a geriatric slug. A geriatric slug going uphill through treacle. He's just joshing you in every order, mate. He bangs on about the three FA Cup giant killings. He won't let it lie. He's made up a song about Walthamstow Avenue, Nuneaton Borough and Bedford Town, and he keeps singing it at me. Jimmy can hardly talk. He played in a couple of them defeats himself. True, mate, but you won't see him on the pitch at this game. Morris says, I can't see anyone. The only person they can currently see in the fog is Frank, in his Watford kit. He looks like he's wandering lost on Dartmoor. Then a Walthamstow player emerges into view with the ball. Quick as a flash, 30-year-old Frank takes the ball off him. What a tackle! You just stepped in and unloaded that forward, Frank. You have to admit that was outstanding. Ah, oh, it was nothing special. Jake Livermore makes those tackles all the time. Who? Jake Livermore. You know him. In the current Watford team, mate. The one who bosses every game. No idea who you're talking about. I don't bother with modern football. Frank reckons Morris's stance is a bit extreme, but he isn't in the mood to discuss it. I don't know what you're on about, mate. Modern football's way better than in my day. Nonsense, you're just saying that because you're down on yourself at the moment. Your 1952 team could be any team of 2023 tippy-tappy merchants and Dan. Today's players couldn't live with you. You'd have too much strength for them and bravery and effort. Ah, oh, mate, don't come the raw prawn with me. Jake Livermore has got everything I had and a ton more. Stop doing yourself down, Frank. Look, there you go. Look at that pass. OK, well, that was the pitch's fault. But I tell you, if you lot have played on modern pitches... Listen, Frank, the bottom line 
is that you were the best we've ever had. Frank stops listening to Morris. What the guy's saying isn't credible. Frank's been loving watching Watford these last few weeks, now that they've got their away form together and are playing with confidence. In 2023, the players' technical skills, athleticism, speed and stamina are several levels higher than anything on this pitch in 1952. That should be clear to anyone. Which means that being told he was Watford's best ever, by someone who can't see that he wasn't, really isn't helping Frank. He says to Morris, Oh, sorry, mate. I, I just want to be on my own. Please go, mate. A few moments later, in the atrium, Sid looks up. Morris is striding towards him. Sid, we need to put aside our differences and work together. Sure, Morris, what's up? I bumped into Frank Mitchell at the game I went to. He's in a bad way. How do you mean? I tried lifting his spirits by showing him what a great player he was, but it weren't enough. I need your help. Of course. What can I do? I want help rounding up Frank's old teammates so we can take them to see him. If he won't listen to me, he'll listen to his peers. OK. George Catlow was here not long ago. I'll get him involved. Thanks. Oh, but wait. Didn't you say there's an away game at Preston you want to go to today? You don't mind missing it? Of course not. Frank Mitchell or any fellow Watford fan in distress comes first. Quite right. Good. Let's round everyone up. I can see Jimmy Bowie by the programme shelves. I'll go and grab him. Uh, no. I don't think he'd... Leave him to me, Morris. You go and get help. Maybe you could ask Bill Mainwood and Derek Garston to give you a full list of Frank's teammates. Cheers, Sid. Good thinking. Tell everyone to meet outside the ancient turnstiles as soon as possible. Soon, a large group of 1950s Watford players arrive at Green Pond Road at the 1952 Cup tie. Morris is leading them. He says, Listen, everyone, it's easy to get lost in this fog. We need to stick together. George Catlow says, Former Watford players always stick together, Morris. That's why we're here for Frank. The group wanders the terraces, trying to find Frank Mitchell. It takes a while. The fog is thick like wool, obscuring their vision narrow in the world. Finally, they find him. He's sitting on the ground, hunched behind a tea hut. Morris says, oh, Hello, Frank. I've come back. I'm sorry about earlier saying all that stuff you didn't want to hear. This time, I've brought some friends. Slowly, reluctantly, Frank looks up. Morris says, There's some things people want to tell you. Frank sees a tall man step out of the gloom. It's his old teammate, the goalkeeper, Reg Saffin. Reg says, I was in goal the day you made your debut, Frank. You brought something unique on day one. It wasn't just how good you were. It was how you were always looking to help your teammates. That's what marked you out. Reg Saffin steps back and George Catlow steps forward. Reg is 100% correct, Frank, man. And that's only the half of it. You didn't just help us. You chivied us, told us off, praised us. You were a proper skipper, man. The consummate skipper. Now Frank sees his fellow midfielder, Johnny Meadows, step into view. You knew how to get the best out of us, Frank. One match, Peter Walker was keeping hold of the ball too much, so you tackled him to get the ball back and keep it moving. 
We couldn't believe it. Frank remembers this. For the first time in a while, a half-smile comes to his lips. Johnny carries on. But you knew what you were doing. We got the message. Next, Tony Collins, an outside left, steps forward. None of us could have done what you did, Frank. You made the whole team work. Through your attitude and personality. For a moment, Frank is put in mind of Jake Livermore again, because what's being said is the same as he would say about Livermore. This time, though, he's not thinking about whether he was as good a footballer as Watford's current defensive midfielder. Finally, Frank sees Bill Shipwright, another defender, step forward and say, I used to travel in on the train with you, Frank, and you told me more about the game than anyone else ever did. You were a father figure. You told us when to do things and how to do them. Frank likes that description. Father figure. We never had a bad game around you because you wouldn't let us. You were a great leader, Frank. How we got you at Vicarage Road, I'll never know. Bill finishes and Frank gets to his feet. He brushes himself down and pulls himself up to his full height. He looks at his old teammates, Reg, George, Johnny, Tony and Bill, and those who haven't spoken. Around them the fog is as thick as ever. But somehow it doesn't feel so bleak, so claustrophobic. He says, Ah, oh, look, I, uh, I really appreciate this, guys. Thank you, all of you. His teammates nod back at him. There's times I... There's times I, I lose sight of... George Catlow interrupts. Oh, man, Frank. We all have our ups and downs. Some days, old players like us feel good about our place in Watford's history. Some days not so good. You're no different, man. But what we've been saying to you here isn't about the footballer you were, Frank. It's about the person you are. And that never changes. Frank glances around the faces of his teammates again. He nods gratefully. Then he takes a deep breath and says, Right, come on you lot. What are you doing in this piece, super? You'll be breathing in all kinds of toxins. Let's get back to the atrium. Bill Shipwright grins and says, Yes, Dad. Back in the atrium, Morris and Frank Mitchell return all the Walthamstow Avenue programmes to the shelves. Frank says, I appreciate what you did there, Morris. Morris says, To be fair, it weren't just me. My old pal Sid helped round all your mates up. Also, he had the nouse to make sure Jimmy Bowie didn't come along. Morris sees Jimmy approaching. Speak of the devil. Oh, man, call the fire brigade again. My ears are burning again. <laughs> hey, Frankie, I was looking for you. Oh, what do you want, Jimmy? I thought you'd like to hear my bonny song about Walthamstow, Nuneaton and Bedford. You can sing it if you like, mate. No skin off my nose. Aye. <laughs> ah, well. Walthamstow, Nuneaton, there ain't no way you should have lost to Bedford. <laughs> so do be sad, so do be sad, cos three and four years is bad. <laughs> Bad three years, bad. <laughs> Jimmy Bowie walks off, laughing to himself. <laughs> Mad as meatloaf, I am. Morris looks at Frank and says, Are you okay with him doing that? 
Oh, mate, I'm fine. No worries. But, uh, look, mate. Let's talk about you. I want to return the favour. Hey, I don't need a favour. Yeah, you do, mate. You got me out of my fork. I want to get you out of yours. Mine? How'd you mean? Later that afternoon, Frank and Morris and Sid too sit high in the away end at Deepdale. The floodlights are bright. The night sky is clear and fresh and there's been a magnificent sunset behind the stand opposite. Watford have just come back from 1-0 down to beat Preston 5-1. Morris has a big smile on his face. He says, Well, gents, I was totally wrong about modern football. I love that. Sid says, Hallelujah, he was blind and now he can see. Frank says, It's always worth watching a team performance like today's, whatever the era, mate. Morris says, And I'm glad I've found out who Jake Livermore is. What a player. He's just like you, Frank. He's the daddy. Frank feels flattered, but he's not going to take anybody's comments to heart anymore. Not Jimmy Bowie's, not Morris's. He doesn't want to find himself back in the fog. The three men get up and head back to the ancient turnstiles. Morris shouts, You horns! And the other two, as delighted by the turnaround in Morris's attitude as by the turnaround in the scoreline, shout back, You horns! Oh, you horns, mate! The End Fog was written and produced by Ollie Wickham. It was read by Colin Mace. For more information on the Hornet Heaven stories, please visit hornetheaven.com. Thank you for listening.